0: Welcome to One Heart, One Mind, a podcast of the Nampa, Idaho South Stake to inspire and give hope in our efforts to build Zion. And now your host, Lindy Bauer. Hi, welcome to today's podcast. I'm Lindy Bauer, your host for One Heart, One Mind Nampa. We're here today with Meg Roberts. Meg, thanks for being with us. To be here. Meg lives here in our community and she has offered to share her story as she has battled with the darkness of mental health and her experiences and what it's taught her and we hope as you join us those who um, suffer from mental illness or love those who suffer from mental illness that you can gain some hope and some insight of from her and how the gospel has blessed her life and and helped her um, through this um, challenge. Meg, will you go ahead and start us off with giving us a little synopsis of of your story and where you are today? Yeah,
1: so um, my story with depression really started when I was very young. Um, I got I went to therapy and everything when I was in my teen years. Um, but it continued to get worse. I was known as the happy child. So everyone around me knew me as a smiley girl. And my friends, one of my friends' parents even called me that. He's like, you just are always smiling. And I had nicknames for that. But on the inside, I just really struggled. And um, so a lot of people didn't know about my struggle until I was 17 and I had a suicide attempt. And I think I just was kind of didn't know how to handle it by myself anymore. I didn't know how to get help. Um, my parents tried to help me and reach out, but I was pretty closed off on sharing and um, expressing that. So um, that's kind of how it started. I started young, and um, after that first suicide attempt, I um, got therapy, and I took medication, and I later went to college, and I went to college here at Boise State, and that's where I was introduced to the gospel when I was 20 years old, um, and about three months after I was baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ, I had a super dark period of life that was really challenging. And I, having gone through my experiences prior to that, I knew what it felt like and I knew what was coming. And so I reached out to help and for help. And I asked my, told my parents what was going on. And I went back home to Idaho Falls, which is where I was raised. And um, it was six months to be able to get into a psychiatrist, to get medication. And there just wasn't, wasn't help. Like there was no one I could get into that was going to be able to help me quick enough. Um, So they took me to the ER, and the ER started me on some meds. But after about three or four weeks of that, it just wasn't enough. I'd later have a psychiatrist explain it as peeing in an ocean. Like, it just doesn't make a big difference when you're on so little and you're struggling with so much and your struggle is so deep. And about four weeks later, I had a second suicide attempt. And that time it was a little different for me because I knew coming into it what i was going through and i just kind of lost sight and lost i didn't know what else to do i did not know how else to get help um so it was a pretty it was a tough time but i had you know my family stepped in and i had roommates that stepped in and um, people that showed up to support me after that and i was able to then um meet a therapist that i really connected with and start on neurofeedback which was my choice of um, treatment, but and that really changed my life from there on out. Getting the right help and being able to kind of lead into the savior on some of my challenges really kind of helped pull me through after that.
0: Thank you, Mick, for sharing that. Uh, you had shared with me earlier too about I love this portion of your story of your parents and them coming to actually live with you and your roommates while you were at BSU. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? I think it's so sweet. So my parents are great. Um, They uh, were
1: supportive of me when I joined the gospel or joined the church, but they um, obviously are not members of our church. And um, when I went through this second um, kind of bout of depression that was real severe, um, my mom moved in with me, and I was— 19-year-old girl who was very, uh, just a 19-year-old girl that was just stubborn. And, and so my mom was there one night and she was cleaning baseboards. And I just, I couldn't handle it. Like I couldn't handle the health. And my sweet mom, I, as a mother now, I think about what that must have felt like. I, she, I just couldn't handle it. So she sent my dad because I was struggling with her being there. And I think of what the sacrifice was that she gave up to not be there and how hard that must have been <laughs> for her. Um, but my dad came and he slept on my couch for several weeks. And he just, with two other roommates, mind you, he was a good guy, he slept on our couch and he would drive me back and forth to therapy every, I think I was going every other day. Um, and he just was there round the clock so that I had someone there and I knew that I was supported. Um, and them kind of being by my side through all that is just you know it's just one of those things I'll never I'll never forget and I'm always so
0: grateful for I love that. What a blessing. Yeah. What it a truly blessing. Was. And so now you are here with you have how many kids four children? Yes, I have four children. four children. And you you talk about how um that those were dark periods in your life but that darkness still can creep in and that you have to mentally and physically make choices to to seek light. What does it tell us about that? What what is it that you do?
1: Yeah. So, um, I I believe that um, we can all have dark periods in our life. That that's a normal part of life. And um, for some people, like me, whose brains are the way they are, that's a more common thing. Um, and it's just it's an illness, like. It would be if you had um, some disease like diabetes or cancer or something like that. You have to seek treatment for that. And um, so that's what I have done. I've really approached this from that. So um, A, I lean into God. So I don't believe I can pray this away, but I believe I can lean into God and I can ask for him to support me. And when He, when I do that, um, he sends his armies. Lauren Daigle's song, Rescue, always speaks to me where she says, "Um, I hear your SOS, and I'm going to send an army to retrieve you from the darkness. And he does that. He will send people. He will send therapists. He will send doctors. He will send bishops. He will send people, parents in my case, to help pull you back out of that darkness into the light. Um, And part of what pulls me back into the light is I have a whole series of things, but it's um, working out. I have to stay physical for me every day. I've got to do that. I have to eat, right? That's part of my things that the Lord has led me to. Um, Working on my spiritual development, whether that's meditation or scripture study or journaling, all those things, finding time for that daily, Um, seeking help. So we um, and our family are huge advocates for therapy, or if you need medicine, take it. It's okay. That doesn't show any weakness in anyone but so we do therapy for our kids. We do it for us as a couple, and it's not that we have marriage issues, but it's okay. It's okay to get help, and that doesn't mean anything poorly about you or your spouse to seek that help, and then my husband and I both do therapy independently when we need it, and it ebbs and flows whatever we need at that time, and then the last thing I do is I do a lot of service in the community because that makes me feel good, and it brings the spirit stronger into my life, and I can find happiness in those moments that kind of helps pull you through the
0: darker stuff. You definitely are known for service around here. That's for sure. (laughs) We first met or first spoke when she was helping with the the Christmas boxes for uh, Lakeridge. Yes. A a year Uh back or so. Um, I want to ask you more about how service has um, played a role in this. But I also want to jump back real quick to a service someone gave you just because I love this part of your story, too, of um, when you were when you were in that dark spot and you couldn't you couldn't leave that room hardly except for your daily three mile runs. But a friend came. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So and I was going to school at Boise State. Um, this was um, I I was right before my suicide attempt, I. I had just no energy, and so I'd get up, and I'd run three miles a day, and I'd come back to my room, and I just would sleep. That's all I did, and I would read scriptures, but even sometimes that was just more than I could handle, and I had a friend who we were acquaintances. like We knew each other. He went to my ward that I was baptized, the ward that I was baptized in, um, and but we weren't super close friends. We had climbed and done some kayaking together, but he would come over for a period of several weeks every day and he'd sit on my floor and he would read me scripture and it was just this little moment of light and little peace that came to me in such a dark time in my life and i'm just grateful that somebody was willing to put that time in and just sit there with me while i suffered and um be that support so it was just such a a blessing to have him around but
0: a great friend yeah Truly. Let's go with you now and how a service that you've given played a role in, in bringing you light into your life. So, I, my husband always says, you overcommit <laughs>
1: because I do, but I do that because I love to serve. And when I serve, I, I feel God's love. And there's just nothing other than that. And so, that's something as a family we've just really incorporated into our lives. So, Whether that's callings, which we do, um, we do our best to fulfill those, or service in the community, or working with um, the Salvation Army, whatever it is that we can do, opportunities, we can serve in the community, we do that. And we do it as a family, because I think it's important for kids to feel that love, too. And I I just don't know of another way, maybe being in the temple, but when you serve God's children— Man, he just gives you so much good – so many good feelings, so much love, peace in your heart. And when you struggle with depression and sad things, the more you look outside yourself – for me, the more I look outside myself, the easier it is to see all the good in the world.
0: I love that you do as a family. You keep everybody involved. I love that you do therapy as a family. You serve as a family. It's, it's all a family. When I were preparing for th- this podcast um, – You had said something that if if I ended my life, I feel like I would be ruining God's plan for me. I think that's huge. When President Nelson talks about letting God prevail and how kind of your comment of that really feeds right into that. Can you tell us how that's um, shown itself now?
1: Yeah. um, So I think if there's something I want people to know, it's that I want them to know that there is a plan. And that plan involves you being here and being able to endure. Enduring's not easy at all. And it's um and I don't want to ever undermine that for someone. And everyone's story is different. But if you can just get through the dark, whatever that looks like, however ugly that looks like, if it's sitting in your bed like me and unable to get out, if it's anger, if it's frustration, if it's ignoring whatever it is in your life however you have to deal with that just get through that dark because after that um after that time there is so much joy and so much love and um there's that saying that when you walk through the roses they're not that pretty but when you come out and look back how beautiful are those rose bushes and there is a lot of beauty that comes from those trials and you just have to get through it And that doesn't happen easily, I know that, but it's worth it no matter what you've got to do. God's got a plan for you, and that only works if you're here. And just know that there's people there to support you and love you. You just have to push through, make it through.
0: President Stuckey, in our first podcast, he mentioned that it's important that when a person is feeling sadness or anxiety or depression, that they, they reach out to somebody that they tell someone what they're, what they're going through or feeling. What are your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So about once a year or so I am asked to share my story. Um, I've shared it on, um, like podcast, not podcasts, but on like websites and stuff like that. And I've shared it in our ward for like lessons and Sunday lessons. And, um, Every time I do that, I'm always amazed at the flood of people that come up to me and are vulnerable and share their stories with me. And when people share their stories with me, it strengthens me. I am strengthened by them sharing their stories. And I hope that they find strength in it too, that when we share our stories and are willing to talk about that and find someone that we can count on and we know is safe with that information, that we can we can have we strengthen each other and build trust and and work on this together. And I think it's important to have someone that you can reach out to. And so I I support him in that. I think that that's such an important part of getting help and working through all of the challenges.
0: Meg, we I think to, I think a big part of your story is. Well, not just one big part of the story, but I think it's important for our our audience to know from you um, how your conversion to the gospel, how that happened and how that you can tell your story of how the miracle of where you are with your family now and all those connections that shows how God's always prevailed in your life as you've led him.
1: Okay, so... um... When I was baptized, I was dating a boy, and I was baptized, and we were pretty serious. But I had one sister missionary that was with me the whole time, and I took discussions for a very, very long time. Um, And this one sister stayed with me for ten months, and she was there for every discussion that we had. And that's
0: a miracle miracle. itself because they don't stay that long. (laughs) Especially sisters,
1: they rotate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she stuck there the whole time. And so she was there when I was baptized. Now, when I got um, sick, I went back to school at BYU-Idaho. I transferred to BYU-Idaho to be closer to my family. And when I started school there, I enrolled in um, the horticulture program, my degrees in landscape design. And that's how I met my husband. My husband and I, we joke, we met in the back of an irrigation class which doesn't sound super romantic, but for us, it was perfect. And we began dating. And after we had been dating a couple of months, we made the connection that um, the sister missionary that had taught me this whole time, Sister Randy Holmes, she um, was raised in the same small town in Southern California as my husband was. And my father-in-law is or was her home teacher all of her years growing up, and help send her on her mission. And my father-in-law loves to share that story because he feels like this plan that was in motion from long before I ever started investigating the church, that there was a plan for our families to be together and for me to be able to meet my husband and had any of the stuff I had done in Um, those prior years interfered with that I would have missed out on this marriage that I have love my life and to my four kids and the beautiful family that we have and all the joy that has come with it the trials and the heartaches too but the joy mostly the joy that has come with persevering and making it through this not without errors I made errors but we made it here too so
0: Meg, thank you for sharing your story. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful example to all of us of of God's light and love in our lives. Um, thanks for being with us today.
1: Thanks for listening to One Heart, One Mind Nampa. Credit is given to Kim Keller, who oversees the podcast, both Lindy Bauer and Kim Keller, who are our hosts, Casey Maddox, the project director and announcer, and Rachel Bauer, who is our site director. Likewise, thanks also to... Michelle Lundgren, our project manager, John Freeman, our communications coordinator, Casey Spilmes, the key Grip and podcast editor, as well as Don Ricker, our digital platform
0: manager. Thank you for listening to One Heart, One Mind. We hope that you have felt inspiration and hope in moving towards Zion. As always, thank you, and may the Lord bless you.